Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Ball Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Maggio, joined by my co-host, Sean Geddes, and Mike Cortez. What's going on, fellas? Yeah. What is up? Uh, I mean, it seems like more of the same. It's 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 500 basketball. It's uh, it's RJ leading the charge lately. Uh, you know, up and down Julius. Uh, Cam Reddish hasn't seen a minute, uh, j- just as a couple of the headline items, you know, just the to start on the top here, but Mike, I'll throw it up to you first today. Uh, what, what's how are you feeling about the last couple of games? I know the Cavs game ended a little stinky, but I mean, what, how are you feeling this last stretch? Overall, good. Uh, RJ has been the main source of good behavior or just good vibes, I should say. Uh, it's been great to see him have the ball in his hands. Uh, Sunday was a masterclass by him. I think he had 28, 14, six, a block, and he made all his free throws. That was amazing, and the Knicks looked amazing in that game, and it really looked like Julius Randle belongs as the 1B. So that looked like the formula. Um, everything else is kind of in flux. I'm still confused why Alec Burks is the immediate answer to a backup point guard position when Derrick Rose and Kemba Walker aren't available. We play very slow. Burks is not really hitting shots at the moment, so he hasn't really looked too comfortable. That's a little confusing. Um Obi continues to be the same problem. He looks good sometimes. Sometimes he looks bad. Every time he's playing less minutes than he should. Julius, like you said, he's been up and down, mostly down on the turnovers. I don't know what's gotten into him with the jump passes. That's been very confusing to me. He had seven TOs on Sunday. That was pretty gross. Um, let's see. Let's keep going. Let's see. Quentin Grimes has been amazing. And lastly, Cam Reddish. I didn't really expect a lot of playing time, but Five minutes through two games, that's pretty rough. But overall, kind of like you said, 50-50, I feel like every good comes with a bad. So it's kind of where we are right now. We're kind of just in purgatory. Uh, yeah, this was – I don't know. This is a pretty brutal week. Um, I mean, to drop those three at home, but, uh, you know, at least pick up the fourth one was cool. And the Cleveland game was like an opportunity to start off this, you know, swing of tougher games with some better momentum uh, and pick up a really good win on the road to start it off. And we had the opportunity to do so and let it slip away. So that was disappointing. Um, It's really great to see our RJs playing um, and see that, like, you know, it's really a consistent thing. And hopefully he's just able to make his free throws on a consistent basis because that'll take this to a whole other level. Um, I mean, the 28-14 and 6 game was a masterclass. Seeing him spaz on the ref like for not getting the call and then like, you know, go like angry RJ mode and start dominating the game was beautiful. Um, That 28, 14, six game easily could have been like a 40, 14 and six game. He missed a lot of, uh, you know, little push shots around the men that normally go down. Um, And, you know, just, and he did play the whole entire second half, other things like that. So it's just, I don't know, seeing RJ approach the ceiling and seeing RJ step into himself and even the post-game interview where he's like, you know, uh, they're like, oh, do you feel like you have shown you can carry a team or whatever? And he was just like, I feel like I don't haven't done anything yet. And he was like, I'm hungry for more. Like, I want more. And like, you know, call it cliche, call it whatever you want. But like, I mean, 
RJ just responds honestly. Like that's really how he feels. That's really how he approaches the game, it seems. And you know, it's just really dope to hear that and to have that. Um, and you know, being 14th in jersey sales, like that's really dope. Like you know, we're just really seeing him come into his own um, on and off the floor. It seems he's like really taking a leadership role um, that laid down the stretch and. Uh, just being the guy, it seems like the guy we drafted him to be here. And it's just really, a, it's like watching, you know, a butterfly, like spread his wings. It's really dope. So if only we can surround it with some more winning, that would be beautiful. Uh, hopefully Mitchell Robinson is back for the next game. He's been excellent lately. He just got the ankle tweak. So, you know, we missed him. Um, Obi has to get minutes consistently. And if he doesn't, then, you know, you got to move on from him. Uh, but I think that, you know, on night three, he has it going and Julius doesn't. There's really no reason why he can't get more minutes. Like, I, I'm whatever, you don't want to give him more than 10 minutes a game. But on nights where he comes out and he's shooting very well and he's scoring and he's got high energy and he's better on the floor, you have to be able to adjust to that. You can't pigeonhole him into the same role. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Quentin Grimes is everything that I've been saying he would be all year. It's beautiful. We've, we've been singing Quentin Grimes' praises for quite some time. We've seen it. We saw the vision. It just feels nice to see the vision. The vision starts to come to fruition. Like in the beginning, everybody was like, oh, he's a rookie. You just, you. there's no proof he can do that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, bro, if you know how to watch basketball, you know how to watch basketball. He plays defense pretty well, and he shoots very well off the ball. Like, he looks ready to play. And, you know, he's out there showing it. So at this point, I keep repeating it, but, I mean, there's no excuse for Quentin Grimes not to be starting tomorrow. So I'm going to be pissed when the starting lineup comes out tomorrow. He's not in. I already know it's not going to happen, but we've now reached a point where every single game that he's not starting playing as many minutes as possible is a disservice to the team and a waste of time. And it's become abundantly clear. He, like, literally had Darius Garland in jail. Like, it was beautiful. It was amazing. He changed that game for us on both ends of the floor. Like, you, if a guy can change a game on both ends of the floor, there's no point of holding him back at all, especially if you just spend first time pick on him. Um, Quick has been doing well as a playmaker, not so much as a scorer. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, you know, his shot, you know, starting to fall and him, you know, getting his spots and things like that. But he's doing a really good job facilitating for others and all those things. Alec Burks has given us nothing since the last podcast. Um, and I feel like we haven't even done this in a little while. So, like, we're, we're really getting, like, nothing from Alec Burks on a night-in-night-out night basis. Fournier has been shooting better, but still gives us absolutely nothing besides shooting. And miraculously, last night, he got up to a good start, and I was like, all right, cool. We ran the first, like, four plays for him. He scored seven points, and the rest of the game, he did absolutely nothing else and had zeros across the box score, didn't score again, and just like, damn, bro, like, what are you doing? Yeah, Burke's thinking of that makes me sad just because, I mean, I know Tibbs isn't over-dependent on him, but usually he fills in the gaps, like, passively well. That's kind of why we have liked him since he's been here. He's been a nice little Swiss Army knife. Nothing wild or anything, not some crazy elite player, but, like, decent enough. But, like, this is a bad stretch. I mean, he already shouldn't be playing point guard. We know that. The numbers of him playing point guard versus just playing the two, let alone when he's on the bench, are pretty drastic. You know, it, it's not it's not a thing that's working out. I know Tibbs trusts him as the ball handler, a lead ball handler, the inbounder. He really loves Alec Burks. I get it. But you got to just know that, like, of all the times when he talks about not wanting to shake things up and remember, like, with the second unit, oh, I can't take quickly out. I can't take Rose out. You know, I, it's going to ruin the second unit. But then Burks is, is in and out of, of – with the first group and not, and, and if he's thinking it up, then then there's no concerns about, you know, messing up with the flow of it. You know, it's a little bit silly. Um, 
you know, the sort of the issue that we have with Tibbs is, is kind of that wishy-washiness sometimes with certain of his, uh, what seems like principles. So like, it's a little unfortunate, but uh, it is what it is. But yeah, Grimes has played pretty well. Um, I think of the last four games, he's played no less than 17 minutes. He generally played about 20 minutes a night now, 20, 25, uh, which is what we want. You know, like Sean said, when he's act- actively changing games, the longer he plays, you know, he, he's got to play. Um, you know, Garland, I thought he did a good job on him last night. Uh, I was even talking to some Cavs fan friends of mine that they said the same thing. Like, you know, Grimes was really giving uh, Garland hell last night. Like, it, you, you know, it's really, really Adam. And I was like, you know, it, it felt good. Like, it's not just us, you know, seeing it now. I know some other people see it. So hopefully Tibbs continues to get the message because, you know, Fournier, like, you know, we keep saying he can start off hot. He can, you know, he's largely had a good month. I haven't been saying a word because he's at least been doing his scoring job, to be honest with you. Uh, the defense, like, I, I, I know, and you know, and Mike knows, we all know, Sean, you know, it's just like it, it sucks. It, and he's not going to get better. He's only going to get worse. But um, it is what it is. You know, at least he was shooting the ball well. And, again, like Mike said, playing off RJ. I mean, that's all we could really ask for. That's why he got, was here to get paid. If he's doing that, I got to keep my complaints to the minimal and the fairness of all the yelling that I do. But, yeah, Grimes, we got to, at some point, you know, with, with these young guys, I got to take strangleholds of things to get there. You know, when you, when you got to, shake up the normal, shake up what's in front of you. You got to really win the job in a convincing fashion. Like not just the job, but even like the pecking order you see with RJ, there's an opportunity, you know, for him to establish himself as the number one, you know, and he's got to go out and take it. Like he has mostly this month and he's got to stay on that. So all the young guys got to kind of have that mentality. They got to come out and just be like, Hey, I want to keep outplaying Evan Forney. I want to do it every single time I get out there. So that's very clear what I can do. Like you, you should have that, you know, some sort of a competitive desire to want to show yourself. And these are usually first round picks right now. You know, I'm sure they want to prove themselves. You see guys like Desmond Bain, you know, get angry about, and he's, remember, he was just a jump shooter. Everybody said coming out of school and then uh, mid late first round pick with the Grizzlies and he's killing it. And now every time he's, you know, he gets up and talks a little shit, you know, it's, it's good. You want to see that. So hopefully we have some fire from our guys here, but um, I don't know. I, I, the, the cam situation, I don't expect him to play much. At least the first, I'm, I'm holding, I said it on the spaces, just I'm holding out my reservations until after like the first week, once he's like fully healthy and caught up to speed. You know what I mean? Come back from a sprained ankle, whatever excuses they're going to say to, you know, as he works himself in. Um, but after, after about a week or so, when we start to get a real idea, like why he's in or not in, we'll see. Um, it's very possible that, they get busy at the trade deadline. It clears some room in some consolidation. And this was just a precursory move. And uh, then Cam gets more minutes in the rotation that way. Um, I I mean, we're going to have to see at this point. Uh, it would have been nice to see him a little bit more than we did. But, you know, uh, they know he's got a year left on his deal, right? Uh, I'm sure that there's some sort of foresight. I'm going to give them – I'm not going to try to be too reactionary. Just give them the benefit of the doubt for now. I'd like to believe that they got a couple moves planned out to make this make sense because, yeah, like, uh, you know, we said the other day, it seems too obvious that they'd be too stupid to trade a first-round pick to not play the kid. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in, in that aspect. But, yeah, him playing five minutes the first night and not really anything versus the Cavs, like, it's to be expected a little bit in the first couple of games, although it would have been nice to see him. It is, but I think Cam, the Cam situation is just – 
reminding me of how stupid Tom Thibodeau could be. Why is he committing to a nine-man rotation in the month of January? There's no need for this. And especially when your point guard's knees are made out of paper mache, I just don't get what he's going for here with, because right after the game, if nobody knows what I'm referring to, it's after Sunday's game, he talked about Cam having to play his way into the rotation and he's favoring a nine-man rotation, which confused the shit out of me because this time they actually have 12 guys that can theoretically contribute to this team on a nightly basis. And he's kind of just punting on that, which is mind numbing. I mean, I don't even really mind a nine man rotation. Like I, I, I get it, but like, I feel like then you need to be more selective about the nine man. Like if you're going to have a nine man rotation, it has to be like, you can't waste any minutes in a nine man rotation. Like, I think that doesn't make sense. So I think when you have a nine-man rotation and then you punt a lot of those minutes, you may as well expand your rotation. And uh, but once again, I'm a little I'm a little conflicted because I also don't really want to kill Evan Fournier. Like I I it's kind of pointless. He's been playing better than he has the entire time. But I mean, even Burks, Burks has been really doing nothing. Like he's just kind of out there. He's um, averaging eight really- points. Averaging eight points. And over his last 11, eight, eight points, 11 games, eight points, shooting 29.5 from the field, 29.2 from three, three, ter- three assists. He's not really turning the ball over. That's like the only plus right now. Yeah, like that guy doesn't have to be getting minutes. And he damn sure doesn't have to be starting. Like that, that, <laughs> that, those numbers right there that you just read off from a guy that started, what, eight out of 11 games for us? Exactly eight games. That's disgusting. <laughs> Barry. Come on. Like, that's that's disgusting. And that was, like, your reaction. Like, oh, something happened, so let me start this guy. Like, do you think that, like, oh, man, I hate to do this, but do you think that Emmanuel quickly would get to the start for eight games and in those eight games score eight points per game and shoot 29% and only have three assists? Emmanuel quickly got one start and was the best player on the floor for us, was eight, was seven for 11 from the field, had 17 points, four assists, and somebody had the audacity to type their thing, type their words and say to me, oh, he only had four assists in 40 minutes. See, he's not a real point guard. But Alec Burks can average three assists while not scoring at all and not scoring in an inefficient manner. And this isn't even, I have nothing against Alec Burks. If anybody who was starting for 11 games was averaging those averages and on those percentages, it would be a bit of an issue. And for some reason, we're just supposed to let Alec Burks get away with it. He's just supposed to keep doing it because he's 30. Like, I don't know. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Nobody else gets the opportunity to do that from the coach. Nobody else gets the opportunity to do that from a large group of fans, even like are upset and nitpicking everything. But Alec Burks just like, I don't know if that's the other option. That's clearly not working. What a surprise. Alec Briggs being a point guard is not working. Who saw that coming? It sucks. He had been he had been reliable and then until he wasn't. That's how that's how basketball works. It's a long season in the NBA. Guys are gonna have their ups and downs, but at some point you gotta just know when you can't play guys too long. It's not and like that's what we always say too. It's not even about playing guys, not playing guys or always benching, sitting, whatever. It's always just about overplaying guys in general. Like, that's even been one of our random notes, too, right? Like, Randall plays, like, 40 minutes a night, every night. 
all the time. He's just always, he's always in the lineup. He takes a breather. He's back in after a minute and a half, two minutes. Like you can play and get 35 minutes of really effective Julius Randle. Like you don't have to play him 40 minutes. You don't, you don't have to leave Burks in big starter minutes and exhaust him. You know, like you don't have to do that. You can still play him. Nobody's saying he's never going to play, but just be smarter. Like you can, like, even if you do start him and it's not working on a game to game basis, whatever, then you got to just know when to, you know, not, not do it, you know, just, just sub them out early. Like it's okay to do that. You don't always have the hockey line up it. You, you can, you can deviate slightly as the game starts to happen. It's allowed. It's in the rules. You can do it. You know, you can mix and match position by position, home by one. It's a great thing you could do, but he chooses not to do it a lot of times. So, yeah, I mean, he's just got to, his in-game adaptability is really just, it's got to come up to speed, man. It really does. Like he, he really just feels like he has his own guys that he likes beginning of the year and he just kind of sticks with them. And that's kind of it. Like that's, you know, that's the system we agreed on on day one. And that's just what we're going to keep running. And it's like, that's not, that's not how it works. And if that's not what he's actually doing, you know, we're trying to do then I'd love to see what the game plan is. Because it's like, you know, certain things we see too often with these defenses and, and, you know, with their defense or whatever, his rotations in general, it's, you know, things got to change uh, at some point, you know, you tried it. You tried the Burks thing. Long leash he had. You know, you can switch it up now. Yeah, I just – then there's moments like Quentin Grimes is averaging 22 minutes over his last nine. That's a very good thing that he's doing. But then he offsets it by Obi has played maybe – I'll look it up, but he can't be averaging more than 15 minutes a game. Why? There's no reason for that. Obi may not be averaging more than 10 minutes a game recently. To keep it a buck. Obi's playing yeah. like 10 minutes if he's lucky. But like it's for no reason. And like Kyle, you just outlined Julius can give you very solid 35 minutes. And right now, the way Julius has just been out of control in terms of emotion. I don't know. Something's going on with him. I don't know what it is. But this is a guy that would actually benefit from probably playing less and making the most out of his minutes. Or at the very least, play them together. We've said this since day one. It still isn't happening. Like, there's no need. You don't have to tell me if Mitchell Robinson's out, you can't play a lot more Julius and Obi. You have to play Nerlens Noel. I find that very hard to believe. You have to play Nerlens. You have to play Taj Gibson. And granted, Taj has been very serviceable for us. I'm never killing Taj, bro, ever. But like playing the 36 year old over the number eight pick from last year, when the number eight pick from last year made improvements is bad like and and and, uh, and things bother me because regardless of how you feel about players as players are on the court or on this team or whatever certain things are just bad asset management like how we're playing obi and what we're doing with obi is bad asset management because if he's not the guy you need to make somebody else think he could be their guy and you need to pump that up as much as possible even in even for leverage in certain conversations alec burks now you made this cam reddish move i keep saying alec burks is the guy that has to go because you can't move Evan Fournier. Alec Burks has a movable contract. Alec Burks is playing pretty well. And now for the last 11 games, you've decided to put him in point guard. His work, like, and you've done a disservice to him. And now you might be depressing that asset before very eyes. Like, at one point, you could look at the top of a lot of charts in the league. Alec Burks was up there for off the dribble three-point percentage and uh, steals and all kinds of stuff. Alec Burks had, like, a really good perception. And now that you've taken him out of position and you put him in this role he shouldn't be in, and now he's struggling, now all like the conversation is around the struggle of this being had. So it's just like 
I feel like there's better ways that things could be done, and it's it's kind of annoying and it's upsetting. But, but you know, I'm glad that Quentin Grimes is getting more minutes. Um, but at this point, I'm I'm not satisfied with 22 minutes. So cool, you're playing Quentin Grimes 22 minutes. Should have been doing that earlier, honestly. Whatever. I I saw the Quentin Grimes have been playing for a while ago, but whatever. It's the process. Cool. At this point, he doesn't need. He shouldn't be playing 22 minutes now. He's our arguably our best one defender. Him and RJ neck and neck. And when you have two really solid wing defenders in your starting lineup, that'll make you a much better basketball team. He's also a great shooter. I had the, I saw a stat for it on the timeline just now. I lost it, but he's like up there in uh, percentage for like contested catch and shoot threes. Like he's he's just really special. So you got to play that guy. He's having an impact on the game. If you if if you see what he can do now, how much better he makes the team, and you choose to have him in the game for less than half the game, you've made a bad decision. So play that man. And it's 12 minutes for Obi over his last 10, 12. Tibbs, unfortunately, only views him as Randall's like backup. That's it. Doesn't consider him playing him at the five. Like he very, very few amount of times this year they played him together. And even then, I'm sure it was more in his head. You know, Randall was the five at the time and Obi was the four, you know. But, but whatever he's got to do, you know. They got to play them that way. I, I do even think going Randall at center would would be fine. I think that's a good matchup thing. That, you know, Tib seems like he's he doesn't want to do that a lot, but that's a way to get Julius going more towards the rim. You know, like to to kind of clean things up for him. Uh, not that it's a at all the same thing. It's but you know they've done sort of similar in LA with the Lakers. You know, LeBron's been playing the five a lot. They're having some success with it. But just in the sense that, like, you know, a playmaking forward, getting kind of easier looks, more efficient games, like, it's a way to try to help him out. You know, Julius, for the life of him, I don't know what it is. He cannot shoot the basketball right now. The season, the, the shit does not go in. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like it's not even his fault. Like, the, my, my stance last night in Cleveland was I thought he didn't play a bad game. I thought it was mostly a pretty good game. Not, not amazing or anything, but I thought he was trying to get to the rim more. There was a couple times for sure, as soon as he saw hesitation, somebody, you know, his defender, whatever, played up a little too high. He tried to blow by him, just get to the rim. So there was a couple good drives that I liked, you know, got to the free throw line. Um, you know, he took a bunch of threes. You know, not all of them were zero hesitation, but I thought generally he was pretty open, was taking them. So I, I liked the shot profile, and I, I felt like a couple of shots just, like, did not go in. Like, I saw a couple in and outs. So not making excuses, but I thought more or less, you know, he had three steals. I th I thought not that he was amazing defensively last night, but I thought it was mostly a pretty good game. But in general, he just can't shoot the ball right now. This is a season-long issue. He, even when he changes his shot profile, like this month, he's been playing off of RJ more, obviously, as RJ kind of takes on more of that offensive load. You know, they, they're running more pick and rolls and more things like that. So Julius is spacing out a little bit differently. So even with doing that, and, and kind of adjusting the shots he's been taking because this is dating back to the Timberwolves game before that, a little before that now. He's been getting into the paint more. He's been trying to attack more. I think he he understands he can't just shoot the jump shots anymore if it isn't falling. But even then, he's just, the, the, the shots he does have open, you know, whether they were more difficult ones or, you know, wide open shots, uh, you know, like shit, he was hitting last year, those difficult step backs all the time he never missed. And now it's like, we got to find the gray area a little bit. You know, it's possible he starts to catch fire soon. I say this every pod. You know, of course, it's possible a good player goes on a run, 
the averages start to balance out. Everything looks normal again, whatever, whatever. But like, you know, as I said, we say this on the pod a lot, you know, it's getting late fast. Like you gotta, you gotta make shots, you know, all, all of the talking I do about offense and scores, like that's what you need at the end of the day. You need to just make the shots. Like, and to me, he's getting better looks than he has been, you know, in October, obviously the first like 15, 20 games, I was reluctant to really go nuts about things going wrong or whatever. I thought, you know, you're, fit, you're working your way back in, you're feeling out the season, whatever, but it's very obvious, you know, he took a lot more mid range, a lot more settling earlier in the year versus to me, what he's been doing more lately. So, you know, to me, I thought at least offensively, stylistically in hindsight, now there was probably more, like more credits to the complaining about it, but like, to me, I, I don't think he's taking bad shots anymore. I think a couple of the jump pass turnover situations, I agree with you. I mean, his turnovers aren't wildly high this season. They're pretty much spot on with what he did last year. But, like, it seems like he does them in bunches more this year versus last year. We're just over the course of a game, it'd be a couple of turnovers, whatever, three, four, and then it wouldn't look that bad. Versus here, it's like you see, like, two bad ones in a row. Or he, th- he throws one, the next one goes off somebody's hands, hit that about, something like that. I don't know what it is. It, I, I I don't even want to say he's rattled. I I don't know what it is, but it seems like it, he's just off. It's a weird season because he's he's still giving you what nineteen, ten, and five. Like he's still producing, but it's like if to you know, I'm not trying to oversimplify, but in my head it's like, damn, bro, like if you just made two shots, two more shots a game right now, layups, one three. Like if you just hit two more shots a game, like I feel like nobody would be complaining all that much because his line will look so similar. I mean, again, oversimplification, two shots a game, I know. Over this course of a season, that's a lot of shots, I'm aware. But it's like, damn, man, like, if you were just averaging, like, 21 right now, 21, 10, and 5, like, people would be like, all right, like, could have been better, you know, could be better, could have been like last year, but he's not terribly off. It's like, now we're back down to, like, what, 19, 18 and a half on the year. It's like, I just, part of me keeps thinking this has got to be the worst of it, right? Like, this is for sure career low numbers for him. Like, he's always been able to score in this league. Like, before everything else, he was able to score. Started closer to the basket, worked his way up, but he's always been able to score. I just refuse to believe that he just, like, like this is what it has come to, you know? I just, I, some point it's going to have to turn around, but it's really, to me, it's just coming down to, like, got to make your shots now, man. Like that's that's kind of what separates the difference between like the all stars consistently and and the very good players. And he's still very good. I'm not saying he's been bad. To, to me, truly, he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been top ten NBA player Julius Randle that we got kind of spoiled with last year. So just finding that middle ground between like where he's gotten to now and where he needs to be. That's it. To me, it really is as simple as just hitting that extra shot or two a game right now. Like you just gotta make sure you're getting those you know, good games back under your belt because this is getting difficult, you know? Again, getting to the free throw line, great. You're getting better looks, that's excellent. RJ's, you know, leading more, that's great. The offense has shifted in a way that we wanted. That's, you know, generally it, it looked good to start the month. We won some games, whatever. Things were going better. But it's like, only thing missing is he's got to make these fucking shots. No matter how good the looks are right now, he's not making anything. And that's the frustrating part. So I don't, like, in, in the last thing, I don't blame, I don't think anybody really blames him for that last shot last night because what are you going to do? you get the ball from that distance with a second left. I mean, you have one option and it's to shoot the ball from however you can get it off. I think the Cavs did a good job stifling that play, to be honest, but it wasn't a, I don't know what you guys thought. It wasn't an amazing play call anyway. It just seemed like a couple quick pop-outs that the Cavs stifled, right? And then... Terrible. Know, 
yeah, and then that was it. And then Julie said, you know, chuck up a prayer that didn't come close. Yeah. No, I, I'm a little less optimistic. I feel like I'm chasing last year's feeling too much, not just with Randall, but with the team overall. But the main thing that's pissing me off with him is indecisiveness. He's getting the ball open in the arc, and he's kind of doing what Dennis Smith was doing when he had no confidence, where he would pump fake when nobody was there, or just he just kind of like shuffles his feet, drives to the rim, and then kicks it back out to the outside. That's pissing me off. And his free throw attempts are down. He's not really driving. He's averaging more, less drives than RJ is. He's averaging less than five drives a game. Like, um, yeah, five shot attempts per game on, on drives. Like, you're fucking built out of steel, dude. Like, beat the shit out of people. They, Him and RJ are really, like, two guys that can really beat the shit out of their matchups. And one guy's doing it, and the other one isn't. He's settling for mid-ranges. So, like I said, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but... I know we might not get the Randall we got last year, but I just want to bully back. If anything, just turn into like an aggressive paint beast. Yeah, it's disappointing. And honestly, if he was an extra shot a game and it was 21, 10 and 5, I really wouldn't care. Um, but I think that's I, I don't know if that's what's happening. Maybe some of the shooting woes are like, you know, taken away from his like heart on the floor or like, you know. Maybe he's down on that, but he doesn't play with the same energy anymore at all. And maybe maybe it's me chasing last year. I don't know, but I feel like I shouldn't have to chase last year in terms of your energy and, like, you know, like the passion. I, I remember some of those games, like, he had a couple of those possessions yesterday. He was guarding Evan Mobley and, like, really pressured him and, you know, first turnovers, and we got out on a break, and Cleveland, like, they couldn't get into their offense. It was beautiful. And then he watched Kevin Love run around and splash threes for five minutes. And, you know, so at that point, like, we need you to bring that energy all game. We need you to show up all game. Like, you have to, you know, there's a lot of plays yesterday where, like, it, like one play there was a switch he and RJ was supposed to make, and he just kind of let the guy go. He kind of walks next to guys sometimes when they dribble by him, and it's just like, this is nasty. I didn't see that from Julius Randle at all last year. Julius gave everything he had every single night, and that's not the case. I – I'm telling you, they keep asking us. They keep telling us it counts for two times. I don't care how many times it counts on any day. I'm not voting for Julius Randle. I'm not. I don't care. Call me what you want. Last year, I was leading the charge saying you weren't a Knicks fan if you didn't vote for him. I was leading the campaign because he earned that. He earned He earned me screaming and telling everybody they got to vote for him. He earned all of our votes. He earned that every single night with the way he showed up and gave everything he had for us. He does not show up and give everything he has. And so that's why I'm frustrated. I don't know about other people. I've been saying all year that I think people kill him too much, but I'm also not going to absolve him of blame that he does deserve. I don't blame him for that last shot in Cleveland last night. I damn sure blame him for the shot before it. No way in hell. No way in hell he should have came down and dribbled the ball for 15 seconds or 12 seconds or however long it was. Why? It was Jay's night. It was clear. It was not Julius's night. It was 6 or 17 or 6 or 16 before that. And no, like, that doesn't mean, like, you can have a good night sometimes, but that was just RJ night. It was clearly, it could have gone, RJ had Rajon Rondo on him. And he was getting to the basket at will all night. I think that if Julius gives that to RJ as they're coming up to the court and he's begging for it, that we might win that game last night or get a better possession. Um, the kick out, the shot that RJ took, it is what it is. Some people are saying he drove. I don't really think people understand how that works. If you kick the ball out to me, with seven seconds on the clock and you are standing at the elbow when you kick it out, where am I supposed to drive to? 
So now I have to take the best shot that I can get. And this is it. I have to take this shot right here because you dribbled the ball for 12 seconds. And so that's upsetting. That was really frustrating for me, but I, I, you know, I chalked that up too. This is the beginning of RJ stepping into his own, you know, there weren't too many nights where Julius had to defer to somebody else in that kind of a situation. So that's something that's a dynamic that has to get figured out and communicated, but I shouldn't see it happen again. It was the first time it's happened. I get it, whatever. Everybody gets one word to Spider-Man on family guy, but it should not happen again. Like I, that, that shouldn't be an issue another time. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to have progressions with this too, because, you know, RJ has, I want to say come along slowly. I think actually in his three years, you know, the last year jump, now that he's showing up again this year, I, I think, you know, it's been kind of like, you know, big steps he's taken at a time, but at the same time, it's always going to be an adjustment, especially because Tibbs doesn't run much actual offense, especially late game offense. So RJ trying to assert himself into that is like part of the natural motion of it, because I do think, you know, again, like the offense has shifted way more towards RJ this month, which is good. It's what you want. And obviously they needed a, a lead wing slash guard to step up. They, in the worst way, you needed to have that balance in your offensive attack. You just really do. You, you've seen it with the way he started. He's finally getting comfortable again, getting into the paint and everything. But it's it's still going to be a process because you got to work out of, you know, one part old habits, but, you know, two is whatever late game nonsense that they're running. RJ's finding his way into now and more and more often they're figuring out when he's confident to keep taking, you know, certain looks or whatever else it is. So not as an excuse, but this is part of the learning curve for young players basically is all, um, again, not absolving anything, but it's just, you gotta, you gotta find your own way as a young player and find ways to, to take it and, and run with it and score. And he's mostly done that. He's been really, really good lately. I think he's done everything this month that we want to see from him all year. Uh, I'm pretty confident that with, the offense running through him more that this is more or less going to hold, but you know, they got to just, you know, figure out and remember that they have him on the wings now willing to step up. It doesn't like the beginning of the year when a lot of those looks were going to go to Evan Fournier, you know, either late or, you know, Kemba wasn't hitting the shots, you know, or to start the season too. So this isn't, you know, just only throw the ball into Julius again, because as we keep saying, he can't do it alone. He isn't capable of doing it alone. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, at this point in time, he just, uh, he's got to keep relying on RJ's help. But, you know, the last 12 for RJ, he's putting up pretty, I mean, pretty great numbers. I think he's averaging 23 points. This is the entire month of January so far in the 12 games. It's 23 points. Six and a half rebounds, uh, three and a half steals, I'm sorry, three and a half assists, uh, only two turnovers, had a steal a game. Uh, he's shooting 45% from the field. He's taking about five and a half threes a night. He's shooting 42 and a half percent. He's getting to the line six times a game. Once again, I would prefer we didn't talk about his uh, free throw percentage, but yeah, he's, he's getting to the rack more, which is good. But this is what you want, like in a young rising star you want to see those numbers those low 20s and points is like the first thing right because last year what was he 17 18 in the night so the next step if he's actually getting more reps as a ball handler you would assume he's going to find his way to the rack a little bit more to the line a little bit more numbers going to go up so as long as he's taking a bunch of threes tonight and he's driving like he's driving i'm going to be pretty happy because that's all you want to see from your guard i want to see layups because this team struggles with layups we say this every episode the three of us 
Nobody's nobody's trying to score layups on this team ever. It's contested shots or threes and floater. Nobody's ever trying to shoot a layup on this team. So seeing RJ consistently get to the rack, score layups. Also, he's had a lot of tough finishes lately too. I heard the, those the, the clowns in Cleveland on, on broadcast were saying he couldn't go right. He gave him a little scoop. One put they're like, yeah, drive him right, drive him right. He's got nowhere to go, nowhere to go. And then he throws a little scoop up off the glass right-handed. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see. But, uh, yeah, this is all we want. This is all you want. In the NBA, you got to have lead guards step up, lead wings, whatever you want. You need a guy that's not a big man to do some shit. It's the only way you're going to win some games. So they, I, I need to see more of this. This has got to hold now the rest of the year. Yeah, and the most important number out of the numbers you read off, 18.3. That's how many field goal attempts he's averaging during that same stretch. So it shows that, A, Thibodeau feels comfortable with him being the top option, and B, which is less important but still important, Julius Randle's okay being the 1B. Usually he's the 1A, now it's the 1B. And you could just feel how different, like when Julius has the ball a lot, there's a lot more dribbling. I feel like the ball is moving a lot more with RJ at the center of everything. He's looked for Mitch a lot when he's driven. I hope Mitch starts to catch those lobs and finish them. And he's also looking on the fast break. He had a nice feet to Fournier. I forgot which game it was. It was at home. But anyway, those get those are takes that he usually tries to force contested. Now he's passing that out. So I think he's stepping into his own at the perfect time. It's just up to the coaching staff and the team now with the trade deadline coming up to maybe just start to focus in on bringing the best out of RJ versus trying to bring out the best out of RJ and Randall. Not to get too extreme, but I hope you guys know what I'm getting at. Yeah, you, you adapt as things work. Like that's that's how it's supposed to be a fluid game. And I, again, I, everybody acts like this has got to be some like grand thing that take like uh, when Julius has to step down in the pecking order. It's really to me, it really doesn't change a whole lot. It just makes Julius' life easier, which at the end of the day is what everybody wanted. I'm sure it's what he wants, what everybody wants. So even if it's a bit of a transition, like at the end of the day, like if RJ is going to continue to step up in this fashion, and this isn't just a, another little on fire streak, and then we go back down to the beginning of the season started, and this is what he's going to be like. No, I'm I need the ball because I'm getting to the rack. I got to score. When keep hitting my three, when keep hitting my shots for the most part, you know, he's, and it's also how he's scoring when he's creating his own looks. Cause last year he struggled with that a little bit. He had the moves to do like the, those little spinning fades in the posts, you know, the little spin backs that he does. He was shooting a lot of those, right. But he wasn't making a lot of those last year. Sometimes he made them, you know, but it wasn't like, I feel this year it's been much more consistent. He's kind of gone to a little bit more. He's been quicker to get into it where his footwork's been a little bit better. Uh, the footwork too is another big note because that's how he's been skipping through the lane a little bit better lately, uh, a little more regularly. It used to be right, Sean. It used to be like one good one a game he'd, he'd give us, and then uh, lately I feel two, three times a game he's kind of finding his way through a little bit easier as he gets through. So I just think his footwork's been better. Um, so he's starting to look the part as a perimeter like budding star versus like last year. I just felt. I, I really like his all-around potential. I don't know where, where to go with him quite yet with the ceiling, but you can see he can do a bunch of things in different areas. He's scoring a little bit more. I, I'm not sure quite sure where we're going, but I like it, right? This year, I'm starting to see, like, the mold take shape a little bit more with how he's doing things and how he's creating for himself. So that's my biggest, like, thing that I'm noticing with him. He, you know, beginning of the year, he was stuck in the corner. It was gross. It was like rookie year RJ all over again, to be honest. Uh, that's not the way to use him, but... They they've done a better job getting him the right looks, and it's it's exciting because they 
no matter what they do with the trade deadline, like they still need RJ playing like that. If you go and get a, a lead guard, right, you're still good, like a, a, another good guard to help out, right? Let's say you, I don't know, magic happens, you get a Brunson, that's great. You still need RJ playing like this. You know, if if you, for whatever reason, if they did do that, like Miles Turner trade, right? You up, you, you get a Jeremy Gray, you, you source somebody up at, at, at the big position for some strange reason that I wouldn't be on board with, nor would anybody here. But you still need RJ Barrett playing like this. Like, no matter what direction this goes, if RJ Barrett's on the roster, you need him filling into this role because it seems like I, I know no Nick, uh, you know, reportedly is untouchable right now. But at the same time, like, to me, he'd be the, the one that they're going to fight hardest to keep, obviously, above all else. This seems to be like a guy, if he's here, he's going to finally break the Charlie Ward, Ward course. It feels like that, that curse. It feels like it's a little bit of a formality now, as long as he's going to be in this uniform. It's just a matter of the day coming and he's got to sign the contract. But um, I don't know. He just, you got to, we got to keep saying it though. You know, January's coming to a close, great month for it, but two more months, three more months ahead of, of games. You know, we got all of February, all of March, most of April. So, I mean, he's got to, he's got to keep it up now. You know, they need it. They need it in the worst way. They need a star to kind of step up here. So we'll see what happens, man. We really will. But it's been encouraging. It's encouraging to see him be, you know, really confident with the ball. Uh, the defense has been better again. Uh, I'm not going to say, you know, it's been spectacular. He still does some stupid stuff. Uh, one thing I don't like is he keeps – do you guys notice he always, when he does a hard contest, he usually jumps, he always leaves his feet. It's like – and not always like, you know, I, like the full-on sprint where he's got to jump and, and the last-second contest. Like some of them are just like – he's right there and he's, and he's just jumping. And it's like, you, you know, it's like my only, my only real – like I had it in my notes. It was my only real gripe for him like defensively. Like I didn't – I forgot which game. Like I saw – I think I saw it last night, but I saw it like twice – uh, it was in the Clipper game. At, it was the one before. I, I, I had it all on my notes. They didn't like it. You got to. It was the jumping. Wolves. I think it was the, the Wolves. Game. Yeah, he just stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. Like no one's gonna blow by you, and you have a big wingspan. Like you're probably gonna be okay. Just like stay on your feet. I don't think anybody's trying to test you. You know, I think you'll be all right. Like you know, just because they always sidestep them. So that's the the annoying thing. And then he never he can't get over there. You know, I, my only my only note. I, not trying to belabor the point. He's he's been really good otherwise. That was my only like. Stop it. But I think my stop it thing would probably be. I feel like he pulls up short on a lot of closeouts, like not a lot, I guess. But that's something that happens often. Like, but I also think that's part of our scheme. Like we're just converged so far in that we don't. But I, I would like us to close out to every single shot. Like there's that one play where he doubled in the post and then ran across and you know initially contested and you know, you know, like, that's cool. Like, bust your ass to get to the shot. Like, um, but I mean, yeah, RJ's been really good on both sides of the floor. Uh, the haters were loud after his two games, with the, a lot of turnovers, and, you know, have been quite quiet ever since. It's really disgusting, very nasty behavior. Uh, but uh, once again, imploring them to come outside. Wait, can you explain what, wait, what was going on with the turnovers? Well, he, he had 13 in two games. Yeah, in two games, he had 13 turnovers. So after that happened, then, like, you know, those little – like, it got really quiet. It got really, really quiet about RJ while he was going off. And then all of a sudden, people had something they felt like they could say. So they were like, oh, he plays well for two weeks, and he is trashed for three weeks. This is what's happening. And I was just like, bro, like, two bad games now? Two two games of turnovers? He's, he's 
trash for three weeks. That's what we're doing. And then the Pelicans game came and he had 17 and six with no turnovers. Nobody said anything about it. Whatever. Cool. Um, then he had 28, 14 and six, like dominated the game. Um, and now last night he was good down the stretch. He missed a lot of free throws. That's the free. I know you say you don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it either, but my goodness, they are breaking my heart. They are breaking every single one. There was one play yesterday. I was like, all right, cool. Like good. RJ's done a good job. This is a good time for him to get to the line. And then he went and missed bold free throws. And I was just like, I just had that look on my face. Like, wow, I was really excited. And now I'm really disappointed. Uh, but, you know, just seeing, I, I love, I love the way that he's playing on the court and I love his approach to it. And like, you know, how he just went, he's hungry for more. Um, and, you know, it's just a great time. Like, it's a really cool, like, I feel like this would be a time we remember fondly. And it's also like, you know, we we are the king of victory, the kings of victory lives. So it's like, we've been very right about RJ. Like we, we've been very right. And he's showing how right we were. And um, it's only up from here. Like, you know, we're on, like, as, as Kyle was just saying, he's showing some things this year that he wasn't showing before as in like, you know, where the mold is for that pr uh, primary perimeter score, things like that. Um, and like, he's just going to continue to grow so much and all this. And that's why I've always said that his ceiling, like the sky's the limit because his floor is so high in so many different facets of the game that it just makes his ceiling like exponential. So I'm really excited. It feels good to be right. Um, and I'm <laughs> looking forward to hopefully attaching some wins to this great feeling. So just put Quentin Grimes out there on the wing with him. Let's start playing basketball. Like we care about winning games. Yeah, pretty much. Um, really just going to be more or less interesting to see what they do around the trade deadline now. We know what this team is more or less. We at least know that RJ's get more reps, but the only real questions to be answered now is trades. So uh, there was a couple of notes today. Um, I think it was according to Jake uh, Fisher. He went on the, I think, what was it? The, the halftime app, some, some sort of halftime app show. I don't know, but he was he was doing like a live show there. Uh, and he said the Knicks will definitely, uh, you know, they've definitely been active. One of the more active teams right now at the deadline. They're willing to discuss pretty much everybody. So I don't know what that means in total, but, you know, it is what it is. Says teams have definitely called about Obi, but he's not sure if Knicks are willing to move. I don't know if that really means they aren't willing to move him. It, it reads more like he's just not sure about it. We'll see. And he said, uh, there's a lot of noise with the Knicks and Jalen Brunston continues to be very loud. For me, I, I don't know. The, the rest of that's kind of vague, but the, the main thing for me was they're active and Brunson continues to be loud. So it seems like last time they were hot and somebody was reddish, they ended up making the trade. Brunson to me is a fine option. I know it was a little bit of defensive concern with him, but uh, I think he's like the kind of offensive guard you would take an all right swing for. I mean, right now he's not making anything. I think he's going to be asking for, you know, four years, 80 mil or so. I think he's a 16 and six, 17 and six type guy. He's only a fourth year player. Um, he could stand to shoot the ball a little bit better, to be quite honest with you. That's why I'm not totally in love with him. But I just think as a young player with some upside, he's already can do some things with the, you know, the ball scoring, creating for himself, uh, facilitating, not bad. And especially that's, playing as the second facilitator to Luca too. He's getting six assists. So Luca's got the ball all the time, all the time. So 16 and six in your opportunities when you do get them is not 
a terrible thing at all, I think, in that full context. Um, so I'd be okay with it. Uh, I think that's a that's a win of the target if they do it. You know, obviously, I, I would always hope here for more elite talent shots at this point. I think that's kind of what we're waiting on is a, a big swing, a big fish to go after. I uh, can't wait forever. But, I mean, Sean, what do you think about Brunson? Like, I, I don't know. We'll get into, like, the cost and everything potentially. He's only making, like, a $1.8 million. So, I mean, salary-wise, a lot of things can work out to get him here. It's more about, you know, re-signing him after he's here, I'm sure, is what they want to do. But, I mean, well, what do, what's your take on the, the chatter there? How do you feel about him? Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to Brunson. Uh, you know, some people are higher than I might be. Um, I think it would be a solid move. You know, he seems like a solid guard. He seems like he'd be good as far as ball movement is concerned. Uh, he's got a quick first step. You know, if you can get to the basket, that would be nice. Um, so I, I, I see the fit. It also seems like, you know, things line up in terms of, you know, his dad's used to play here and has a relationship with Tibbs and, you know, they seem to have a relationship with Leon, like whatever, all that back channel stuff. Um, it all seems to make sense. Uh, but also, like, I mean, if there's defensive issues, especially because of size and things like that, you know, I wouldn't be married to the idea. Like, it's – Jalen Brunson isn't one of those where I'm like, okay, you have to do this. you got to make this move. One, because you got to make – like, but I feel like if they target him in the offseason, they may as well just go get him now. I mean, if it doesn't cost a whole lot. But, you know, if it costs something to get him now and then you got to give him 20 mil in the offseason and you still have 48 here, like, I mean, uh, it's at this point – I think cap space and all that stuff barely exists. Like, uh, like as we said, the Heat do whatever they want. Pat Riley does whatever he wants. So it's like we're already capped out, I guess. But like, just don't asset us out. Like, you know. So if if this is going to cost and limit assets and things like that, and the ceiling of this team is with Jalen Brunson as a starting point guard, are we prepared for the ceiling of this team to be Jalen Brunson as a starting point guard? Um, and how much higher is that than? other options that we may have if we keep in house or whatever it may be. So um, I would prefer to just, it's weird because I would prefer to just wait. I mean, I would prefer to go out to De'Aaron Fox or just wait until there's a better point guard available. But if in the meantime of waiting, if there's a better point guard available, I got to keep watching Alec Burks play point guard, then go get one today. Like that's, I'm not even confident Thibodeau would play Brunson the appropriate amount of minutes anyway, just because he doesn't seem to give anyone minutes right away unless it was – I think Rose was probably the only guy who stepped in and was given minutes for obvious reasons. I'll be the one that's willing to sound stupid here, but unless you're making a massive leap or a sizable leap, starting with like a De'Aaron Fox type, i really rather them just see give Emmanuel quickly a, a legitimate run Again, for people like whoever didn't watch Kentucky with Tyrese Maxey and Quickly, they were at least at the bare minimum not on the same level. I would say Quickly probably a little better than Maxey in college, and Maxey is balling out for the Sixers this year. And the only difference is he's playing 35 minutes a game versus he played 15 as a rookie. I don't know why the Knicks aren't doing the same with Quickly. He's the best defender out of the guards besides obviously McBride. And he's also good on offense. Does he take stupid shots sometimes? Yes. But that's stuff you can learn on the job if you are on the job. He's just sticking on the bench. And I just don't understand why you wouldn't at least exhaust all options before giving out assets for Brunson. I doubt Dallas is just going to give up Brunson for a bunch of picks. It would have to be for somebody decent that we like. 
because they're not going to just take Burks. The salary doesn't match up. And the Mavericks don't really have a large gross contract to absorb, so you can't make the money work. If there was a way to offload Noel, I'm singing a completely different tune, but I don't think that's the case. I just think you stay in-house with point guard. And then, obviously, if a different player like Fox, I know some people said Jazante Murray, then you start thinking about making a move. But Brunson's a very good player, don't get me wrong. But for now, I would <laughs> you could really exhaust in-house options before parting with assets for that. I wouldn't mind it because I don't think he's going to cost a lot in the sense of like what we think he's supposed to cost just because he's like, for example, like let's say being an optimist with this take, but let's say like Dallas knows he's going to walk. I'm going to walk. I'm not going to resign here. I know people are interested. I kind of know I'm going to, I'm going to go to New York. You know what I mean? Like you got no choice. I'm going to go. It's been decided. I like it. I'll finish out the season if I'm here, but you know, I have other plans. Because I'm sure they have to talk about that if he's due to get paid soon, right? So, like, they have to have some semblance of a clue what he's going to be doing. So, like, if you already know he's leaving, this might be one of those situations where, like, yeah, maybe you got, like, a pick and, I don't know, like a like a deuce, you know, like maybe, like a little trade-off, something like that. I don't know how – I'm almost scared to propose – pick back. Yeah, give him their first-round pick back. Like, I don't, I don't – I'm almost scared to discuss this trade because I – first of all, like, trade talk is hard, bro. Like, just just on a disclaimer note, like trades are every time we do this is like guesswork. Like you you know just some semblance of like salaries and then you gotta involve a pick to make a team involved. And then guessing is like a nightmare. Like trades always happen and they're a lot of times they're not close to what we thought they were gonna be. It's like some weird package we didn't expect because that's the business of basketball. But anyway, point is trades are very, very strange. So I don't really know what he's gonna go for, to be honest with you, because if the Mavs have no intention of paying him, that's really what it comes down to. Or that did the Mavs actually want to pay that for for eighty? Because they're pretty capped out or damn close for the next three four years. So are they going to be able to do it? You know how much salary they're going to really be willing to take back in a deal like that? Like Nerlens, can they afford Nerlens? Is that a, is that a thing? Right? Probably not. I think you would have to start to take in like uh, they got Trey Burke. Yeah, have to look trade, at the rest of the trade, roster, but trade fail. I did on the trade machine, so trade fail. <laughs> just, just those two with the salary, right? So I mean, maybe like Powell. Uh, you could probably trade Powell for Noel, but that's just would they trading do that? Like, that's stupid. I, w- I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm just looking yeah. at money. Yeah, the money doesn't really line up unless we want to bring Frankie back. Hey, you know, hey, you know, hey, you know, it's like, every pod. I gotta love my guy Frankie. No, but seriously, money just money just doesn't line up here. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. I, I really don't. It'd be quickly for Brunson, probably. And like worst case, this is worst case. If that's the case. Worst case, well, I don't think that'll be no. the case. No, no, no. This Cam, we thought Cam would be two first round picks, ended up being literally a printer and Kevin Knox. So you thought it would be two first round picks. No, I thought that was the report. No I was willing to do it. I just didn't like. I didn't understand what the hoopla was about. Like, oh my god, we can't give up two first round picks. No, I'm just the middle only plays nine guys. Like, we need to. No. Hmm. No, I don't know though, man. I think Brunson is at least going to cost a pick. I think it's sort of the same situation where, not exactly the same, but like the team that they're trading him to, they're assuming that he's he's probably going to extend there or sign again. So, in that. With that expectation, I think you try to take like 
a first of some kind. Maybe, maybe they get creative here with the protections, lottery protections of some sort, or I, I don't know how how much they want to go with it. But you could try to do something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know what Dallas is interested in. Uh, to be quite honest with you, and the money's very iffy, so I, I don't really exactly know what a package would look like here. It's. I feel like that trade is just like, and I don't know. Maybe I sound. I'm just not excited by that trade. Like it. It doesn't excite me. I wouldn't mind it for like you know if it was oh they're twenty they're two thousand twenty three first rounder back for Jalen Brunson because you were gonna sign him in all season and now it's facilitated so you don't have to do a sign and trade and blah 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 and like cool and you get him for the rest of this season to make the team better right now uh, but I feel like whatever the move is gonna be we should make it um, but if that move is Jalen Brunson that doesn't like you know because all right like what does that do for this team ceiling um, how much of the needle does that move um, and maybe it does maybe it's he's exactly what we need. And he like you know gets into the paint at will and becomes like a really solid defender and is switching on to everything and you know really making plays all over the floor and throwing lobs to Mitch. Maybe that is, but like I just don't know. Like you know, it's just it's wild to me that we've seen what De'Aaron Fox can do and has done, and people will down talk his ability but talk about what Jalen Brunson would be able to do if he was here. I I think that perception, I think the worst case scenario of De'Aaron Fox, you get Jalen Brunson. And I think that De'Aaron Fox's ceiling is wildly high. How high is Jalen Brunson's ceiling? Yeah, the Fox hate confuses the shit out of me. I don't know at what, at some point, I think from the Knicks fans, I think it's that tweet when he made fun of us for getting the eighth pick, which is shout out to being a child if that's you. But I don't really understand what the hate would be or why people are like way overthinking this, that he wouldn't be a good fit. He'd be great. He'd be the best point guard we've had <laughs> it's like since Marbury, at least. Because he, he, he makes money. It's because Someone, he makes money. God forbid. Everybody gets angry when I bring this up because that's the only reason that they're anti-moves, but they just hate when players make money. I don't know how else to describe it. Because to put it a different way, right? And again, I'm actually semi into Brunson, but it's not the point. Brunson is 25 years of age. Darren Fox is 24 years of age. Darren Fox is a guy who's going to be able to get you 20 and 5 pretty easily. Jalen Brunson's a guy you hope gets you 20 and 5 at a certain point. And Sometimes it's that simple, especially when Brunson's not really some wild defender right now, you know? And then even with we're talking about shooting the basketball, it's the other thing I always hear about De'Aaron Fox. Well, he doesn't shoot the basketball well. And in fairness, I already know that so far this season, he's not shooting the basketball well. That's fine. But the last couple of years, he did shoot the ball, to me, a respectable level. Like, well, at least last year. 32% last year. That was on five and a half threes a night. He's only taken three and a half this season. It was respectable, at least. The year before that, he shot 30. Right now, he, I think it's like 20. In fairness, it is in the pits. You know, it's almost 25%. So, I, so, so it's bad. I get it. But I think, honestly, he's 24 years old. I think he showed he could be a semi-capable shooter at times. I, I would be a little bit more optimistic. My point is Jalen Brunson's only shooting like 33%. Yeah, I was just about to say that. He's a career 36% shooter, which is solid, but... I don't know why for Fox, it's like this extreme thing. We spoke on the first half of this podcast. It was you, Kyle, that mentioned it. No one takes layups on this team. Darren Fox, it fits exactly what that need is. 
I don't understand I do. why everyone's like, oh my God, we can't do this. This is going to set us back. We're going to be capped out. Shut the fuck up already. You got to spend money at a premium position. You know, point guard's a premium position. If your guard situation's bad, you're not going to win anything in the NBA. If your point guard situation's bad, usually you're not going to win anything in the NBA. Like at worst, you have to have a very good starter there. At worst. You can't have that position be ass. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. You can't, you can't win games that way. So yeah, I mean, they got, they got to shore it up. Uh, I would be okay with Brunson, but the, the Fox thing is like, it's just over the top, man. I mean, I think the Fox thing's kind of dead though. This is my current personal feeling about it. I, I don't know that they're really, it doesn't sound like they're going to do that move. I just think it's not a thing that they would do. We haven't heard anything about it. We didn't hear too much smoke or anything. We only mostly heard about the Sixers and the Kings. Nothing really came out about the Knicks. So I just don't got my hopes up for that. I don't think it's really even on the table right now. Uh, we already heard about Brunson a few times. It just kind of feels like that's what they're going to do. They usually put out a couple different feelers. We hear about it a few times, and then they go and they finally make the trade. So um, we'll see. I think I would like the long-term solution locked in. Like, I'm, I'm – growing less patient now because I've been asking for them to do a trade and trade these picks for a while. At first, everyone said I was a madman. Now a lot of, most of us are on the same page that, yeah, I mean, we got to make a move here. We got to do something. So I think everybody's pretty ready for it. I think they got to just be ready to be a little aggressive. And for some reason, if you aren't aggressive at this deadline, like, which I can't believe that they wouldn't be to some degree, given how the season's played out with actual expectation. But this offseason, that means you really got to go get somebody. Like, you can't just keep saying, oh, well the, well, the guy will be available in a year or two years or three years. And then every single time, it doesn't happen, you know? Like, you got to just go f- figure out a way to go get your guy at a certain point. You got to pay. Everybody's going to pay. You gotta, everybody's got a price. You know, you got to figure out what it is and you got to go do it. But you get, something's got to be done. You know, it's got to – you got to have a talent upgrade at this, at this point. You try running it back this offseason, it didn't work. You know what I mean? So well, what's the issue then? Guys aren't playing as well, and you didn't really upgrade any of the talent. So what did you really do and accomplish here? You brought back the same team and hoped a 500 team last year that got hot for nine games last year towards the end of last season was going to do the exact same thing, if not better. I mean, it was a strange double down for a team that was mostly mediocre. It was good because they were mediocre given where they had just coming from the year before. It was still some semblance of winning basketball, of course. But, you know, you can't just settle into that, which they did pretty quickly with how they capped themselves out. So it's time for a big trade. You know what I mean? You, you tried it this way. You did a couple of years with the margin moves, you know. You saw you, any any high reward type things. It worked out with you with Derrick Rose the one time. You got lucky. Not lucky, but it's hard when those things work out in your favor to that degree, right? A high-impact guy, big minutes, instantly, out of nowhere, right? Older in his career, playing backup, usually doesn't work that well. It worked pretty well for them. But now you're trying to do a Cam Reddish thing, but currently he's got no spot in the rotation. So if all these guys can't play, there's all, not enough minutes to go around. There's all the, you know, at some point you got to consolidate. Go make the big trade then. Go make the big trade. Go package a bunch of these guys up. Even, you know, young guys, people are going to be upset that they go. They're not playing here. They're not playing as much as they should, and we need a difference maker. It's kind of simple at the end of the day. Like, you got to go, you got to go figure it out. I would love for it to be Darren Fox, but I fully expect the Jalen Brunson deal. I feel like it's going to cost a pick or two. Maybe one of them is more protected, something like that. I, I, don't, I don't quite know what the balance is with this kind of a trade. 
maybe a young player, but maybe not somebody like a quickly. I think that might be a little much with the first rounder. That's kind of now you're getting into pretty good package territory. I think that's too much. Better not trade Emmanuel quickly for Jalen Brunson, bro. I, I don't. I, it doesn't make sense to me. To I'd be nauseous. No, but I think like a like a more recent rookie, like if they threw in like a Sims or a a Deuce, like those those aren't untouchable guys. Those are more like young and interesting. You want to take a flyer? Like we'll, we'll throw them in with the pick. Like could be something, could not be something. Who knows, dude? You could find out. Like take them, you know, something like that. But um, I, I don't know. I think that I'm gonna lock that in. I think it's gonna be like a two picks. One of them's heavily protected. Something like that. Or maybe it's like a first and a second, a good second. We've got some good seconds, right? Uh, like a good second and, and a regular first-round pick. There we have like 10 second-round picks, I think, in next year's draft. <laughs> no lie. Yeah, yeah. so it could, it, could be, it could be a couple of those. I think they get creative, but it's going to be at least a couple of picks of, of different kinds. I don't think it's going to be a killer. And then, uh, yeah, like just a, like a deuce. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's too much. I, I have no, what the what, okay. Give me a, what what's a package you guys have a realistic package. I have no idea what this guy would would take. For Brunson. Yeah, I have no idea. This is perplexing. I think my like I said, worst case would be like quickly and like bump picks. Best case, a deal completely centered around picks and maybe one of the young guys as you mentioned. I don't I don't really see a middle ground pick. I, I mean a middle ground trade offer. Unless you add Trey Burke into the mix to make the money work, maybe you can flip them Alec Burks. Maybe that works. I haven't done the money, but maybe something Trey, like that. Little Trey Homecoming, I like it. Yeah, I mean it would be short. I would uh, cut I, him immediately. I, I, I don't like it. You know. I would cut him immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep it a buck. Do you want your 2003 protected lottery lottery protected pick back? No. Have a nice day. Goodbye. That's how that conversation. <laughs> I'm not offering you multiple picks for Jalen Brunson, bro. I don't know who we're pretending Jalen Brunson is, but, like, he has not been that guy. I don't think that, like, a couple of years ago, the Blazers traded two first-round picks for Robert Covington. And I was Yikes. just like, really? Yikes. Like, I know you needed wing defense, but, damn, like, two first-round picks for Robert Covington? And now look what Robert Covington is doing. And now look at the Portland Trail Blazers. You don't throw multiple first-round picks for just another guy. No, you can't have multiple first-round picks. No, you can't have Emmanuel quickly. No, you damn sure as hell can't have a first-round pick and Emmanuel quickly. Honestly, you can barely have Obi Toppin. And I think Obi Toppin is one of the guys that we need to trade the most. But I just don't think that Jalen Brunson is worth that going into an unrestricted free agency where almost everyone who has a pulse knows that he would sign with us if he signed anywhere. So it's just like, you know, you can take this 23 first-round pick back or goodbye. That's it. I'm not throwing in like if we get fleeced for Jalen Brunson, I'll be pissed. And I don't expect that because this front office doesn't really get fleeced. And you know, and what would make me more upset is because and once again, I wasn't in any room, so I don't know that this actually happened. But this it looked like we were making an offer for Lonzo at the deadline line or trying to kick the tires on Lonzo, but they wanted too much and he was about to be free agent, so we just let it go. That's what it looked like. And if we didn't jump on the Lonzo move and now we jump on the Jalen Brunson move and trade multiple picks, I'm going to be sick to myself. Yeah, fuck that. I didn't. I completely forgot about that. And Lonzo, like I think I said this multiple times, Lonzo would fit perfectly. But what's like one outside the box, not even a star player you guys wouldn't mind? Like for me, it's Mo Bamba. I don't know why, but it would just be to get Nerlens out of this place but still have a replacement for this year and possibly next year i think he has a qualifying offer of 10 mil is there any like weird 
trade target you guys would want? It's a good question. Um, I'm doing a quick scroll here from guys that might be somewhat available. I don't know who I really like. The, the big guy that I want, I know we all, I think, agree on this one, isn't available. Brogdon is the guy that feels like he could be had, but he can't be traded six months after agreeing to his extension. So we would have to wait until the offseason to vote for him. But he's like, to me, the guy that I would like the most because, you know, I just feel like he would work really well with RJ and a guy that's got kind of do whatever at the guard position. He can catch and shoot. You know, he moves off the ball, defends well, typically. Uh, you know, he, he, literally, he scores a lot, man. He's a better scorer than he gets credit for, too. Um, but he's injured a lot too right now is the issue. But yeah, he's not available. So that's unfortunate. I don't yeah, know that it, anything exists. Yeah, there's really not. Like Bamba's the only one I could truly think of off the top of my head. Brogdon's a great one. I, I completely forgot about that. I'm not really interested in Karis LeVert, which sounds stupid given the other I'm people in this roster, but I, I, I don't oh, have interest. Sounds stupid. Well, like, you know, he's a good player, and, like, I'm watching Evan Fournier. I mean, like I said, Fournier's been fine. I'm watching Alec Burke stinking up sometimes, so that's why I do feel dumb saying I don't want Karras, but I don't. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm good. Like, I feel like I view things in a way of, like, okay, RJ Barrett is going to be a starting wing. Uh, we just acquired Cam Reddish, who hopefully one day can be a starting wing next to him. At the very least, I've seen enough to know that Quentin Grimes can start next to him tomorrow and should. So, like, going to get Karis LeVert, like, how much do you move the needle? And Karis LeVert is like, no. So you're not wrong for not wanting Karis LeVert at all. I would be actually livid if I saw that we were – our name came up in Karis LeVert trade talks. I'd be like, what – for what? What are we doing with them? Um, I mean, Brogdon, yeah, would love him, but unfortunately – it's like the one person that's not available. Uh, and then from there, I mean, we've talked to her blue in the face about De'Aaron. Um, people keep bringing up DeJounte Murray. I don't think that's happening at all. I don't see why the Spurs would trade the only thing they really have going for them right now. Um, like, you just got to think about it. Like, if somebody called you today and was like, hey, I want RJ. You'd be like, all right, man, give me a couple of picks and I'll be topping and here you go. Like, no, you wouldn't. Like, that's not how that goes. So that's not going to happen that way. Um, ah, as far as, like, I mean, Mobamba would be cool. That'd be, like, a stretch five. And, he, like, Mobamba being behind me would be really nice to, to have that kind of impact all night um, and, and have that kind of lineup versatility. Somebody put – I saw a CJ McCollum trade machine trade on the timeline today. I wouldn't mind that. Um, I wouldn't mind that at all. I don't know how I feel. I, I wouldn't. It, it depends on what you're giving up. He, ma- he makes he makes a lot of sense. It depends what you're giving up, but like just fit wise, he, he could do. Like for example, just just follow me here. I'm not trying to. I'm not. I don't even feel like doing the full on package thing for him. But just follow me here is why I think he'd be like a tips guy, right? He's an off ball guard, right? He handles the ball a lot. Okay. They trust him as a lead playmaker. He's played point guard for them a number of times. He's ran their offense for them a number of times. That's very tipsy. Like, let me just take this off-ball guard and just make him do a bunch of stuff on the ball. And then he'd probably do that with RJ to a pretty decent degree. 
depends what it would cost. There's always a right cost for deals, of course. But if you could just, if, if, if picks and, and money and there's no asset issues and you could just put CJ on this team right now and just start, think about it that way, I can see how it makes a lot of sense. Like, So are we playing CJ at the one? I would. If you're starting Alec Burks at the one, there's no reason why you can't just slide CJ McCollum into that spot. I hate it less if she, if we go like CJ, Quentin Grimes, RJ, Randall Mitch, I hate it less. Boom. I hate it less that way. I don't like it with CJ coming in and taking this spot next to RJ. Now we still need a one and we've held back Grimes or whatever. But if we do that and we go with like, because I think CJ can handle the ball well enough to let you kind of have like a point RJ lineup if you really want to. Like that's kind of how I do it. I want RJ doing most of the ball handling. But like, I don't like RJ being the point guard. Like, you know, and then people are picking him up from 70 feet, and now he's got to, like, get us into the offense. I don't really want him doing that. But CJ gives you the ability to not have to rely on that. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate CJ at the one. And I think that Grimes and RJ's wing defenders make up for, you know, CJ's not prowess in that area. Um, and he's spaces the floor. Yeah, that'd be that. And that way, I don't hate it. I like it that way. It, it depends on what the package would be. Because I, I don't know what they're going to do in Portland. It seems like they're going to keep Dame and try to switch the rest. I, you never know. But if he's a guy that could be had, I, I know like Sixers were a name that came up often for CJ. I'm sure he's going to have a, a bunch of different suitors, probably more playoff and team contender types. But I'm, I don't know that he's like the guy that you'd want end of the day per se. Like I know we're waiting on like the star, the big upside swing, right? I don't obviously he's not that, but like he's pretty consistent at what he does. Like in terms of scoring, like that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to get a an immediate twenty to twenty five per game, you know, point per game guy to just plug in next to RJ and provide some real balance and spacing. But I mean, the deal for that might be a little bit different. So we'll we'll see about that. I I don't really know about any other teams though, because I agree Murray's not going to go anywhere for the Spurs. I didn't see a lot of other you know, teams that I think would really be moving off somebody like, I don't think you can get Cole Anthony, right? I think the magic probably are going to hold on to him, you know, OKC as SGA, but he's not going anywhere of all the, the moving that Sam Presti wants to do down there. It's, he's not, SGA seems like a staple for whatever it is that they eventually decide to do one day, hopefully while he's, he's still playing basketball, but um, they're going to hold on to him. It seems like, so if the Fox don't move, Oh, sorry, the Fox. If the Kings don't move Fox and uh, and if uh, the Mavs don't move Brunson, I mean, those are really the only two moves I think are for like kind of bigger names, like impact type guys, you know, like starting type players. I, I don't see anybody else really on the market because who else would it be? Everybody else, you, you can't get a Rosier right now. The, the Hornets are a better team. He works really well with Lamelo. They play fast. They have a little identity for the first time in a while in the playoff hunt. Like, there's no way they shake that up, right? I, I don't know who would really be available, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm starting. Now that I'm really looking, I'm canvassing the market, unless you're, like, as Fisher reported, all, hand, like, everyone's available, like, unless you include Randall to move for a bigger player, even if that's Fox or something, I'm just spitballing. I really don't see, like, a clear-cut trade. I mean, we never do, but this year in particular, I just don't. Like even the teams on the bottom, I just I don't know what OKC wants. Oh, the Pelicans have nothing but shit. I don't have I don't like anything on the Pelicans except Zion. So I would so, take Bi if they were 
Yeah, but they're going to want something ridiculous. Like, they're going to treat him. Yeah, that's the reason. Like, obviously, Ingram's very good, but they're going to cap and say some stupid shit as an offer, and I'm just on the mood. So, didn't it come out? I don't think this is – I'm not trying to fully entertain it, but they said Harden didn't want to play for the Nets anymore, right? That was the rumor that came out today. Philly's just throwing wild shit out. He doesn't doesn't like living in Brooklyn. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. If you don't like living in Brooklyn, Philly is not an upgrade. Philly's like living in the Bronx. So I don't know what they're really trying to get at. I don't know what Philly's doing. It's kind of disgusting PR moves by them because they're just clearly stuck with Ben Simmons and they can't get over it. Just Darryl because Murray is a madman. He could have fixed man. this. Just because he was adamant about keeping Maxi, I'm so happy he's in this position. Fuck he's him. A madman. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Officially, Ice t- uh, tweeted like last week or whatever that Harden was going to ask for a trade as soon as he went to the New York Ship Club. <laughs> and then today, we're just like, whoa, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. I mean, if, if he were truly going to be available, I I, I mean, you, you can't just keep balking at like superstars that become available. I would hope that they like, you know, if I could inquire. If he forces his way in free agency, just give give him a ring. At least see what's going on this time. I'm tired of us not even talking to these guys when they, when they come on the market. But I I mean, if if that were true, if he really doesn't like living in Brooklyn, allegedly, according to probably Daryl Morey, you know, uh, I, I would like I would like for him to you know take a gander over here first. But it, it's not going to happen. How do you feel now. about Soho? <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd like Uptown. I think he would actually like Uptown for whatever it's worth. But yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think a package sent to the Ron Randall gets done. Absolutely not. No, I mean, yeah, but that, that, that's it, right? Nobody else has really come up. Just in total, I, it, there was the whispers about uh, Donovan Mitchell again, but I mean, that's <laughs> the one that we've been talking about forever because of the infinitely obvious... Have you been hearing he like yeah? Have you been hearing he wants to go to a big market after leaving Utah? Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Uh, I can confirm that he knows people in New York and uh, <laughs> has has occasionally thought about what it would be like to play here. I can I can confirm he's had those thoughts. I've been inside of his head, so uh, it's a it's a good situation. But can confirm he he likes the colors blue and orange. Can confirm. We know for a fact. Man. It's a lot of things we can confirm. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> but, but no, they gotta they gotta really go after it at some point. Like in all, in all seriousness, they. I, I'm t- I want to stop sounding like an insane person on this podcast, being like, <laughs> every year I'm like, this is the year. They got seven first round picks in five years. This is the year. They're gonna take a big swing. The big swing doesn't happen. We just get Cam Reddish. That's it. It's like six months go by. It's the off season again. I'm like, all right, baby, here we go. They're finally gonna get aggressive. They got all this money. Ah, uh, it's just seven forty eight. All right. Right, let's just pack it back up, you know. Like one one of these years, it's going to be like you got to go for Donovan Mitchell, and then like a week later, we get the the Woj bomb, and it's just the, the Knicks have a, a great blockbuster trade. They get Donovan Mitchell, and then we're like, what the fuck? They finally did, and then we got to talk about it. one of these days is going to happen. I don't know when. Uh, Can't wait. It might not happen in my lifetime, to be honest with you. But one of these days, it's going to happen where they make they finally do the thing, you know, the, the obvious thing. Everybody knows about it, and they finally come through and do it. I, I would like for that to happen uh, before I rest in my grave. You know, it'd be a nice thing. But that, just go get him. Just go get him. He hates all. Him. All jokes cool. aside, that is the most logical. Like if you look at the superstar landscape, 
100%. I really, I can't think that of Utah else. Jazz first round exit. I'm so sorry to cut you off, but it gets me excited. Ah, about. It's good. That Utah Jazz first round exit is going to hit so beautifully. First or maybe second round. I think at that point, what that's like, that's going to be two years into the contract now. And it's going to be all right. Like this is now a couple of years we've gone. We haven't hit the Western Conference finals. We got coached off the floor without Kawhi Leonard one year. Who knows what will happen this <laughs> year? Maybe like, oh man, that first round exit this year. I need it like air. And him and Rudy just don't like each other. It's pretty obvious. Even I don't really watch any jazz and I can feel it. So that's a really good thing. And if Rudy Gobert can make Mitchell and Nick, I might have to go purchase a Rudy Gobert jersey afterwards. Nah, facts. I'll be a Rudy Gobert fan for sure. It's been time. It really has. I mean, Gobert is very good at what he does. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to like overly downplay, but like it's, you know, the common things that I like to say on here, like the, the scale that I use is the, the floors and ceilings. And it's like, Gobert does not give you a high ceiling. Go, Gobert significantly raises your floor. It's very, very good. You want that. You want that stability. A lot of teams do, right? I, I understand it. But you're only going so far with that. And then it takes, like, you got to, like, crush your margin moves to, like, an insane degree for that to work out. Like, like Jordan Clarkson, right? Really, really good. Good bench player, right? But he would need to play, like, 2012 J.R. Smith, like, on fire every night type thing, like almost taking a leading role. You know what I mean? Like for it to really, really pan out. And he's more streaky than that. Right. But like you, you, that's what you would need in a jazz situation, which they don't have. They don't have that. They don't have to get like jingles one night. Right. He has a good game. And then it's Bogdanovich. The next night has like a, like a 28, five to five game before he disappears for a few. They don't have like that, that consistent other like dude who's like him. So at some point, he's, I would hope he's going to get tired of it, playing in front of these Mormons every fucking night. Like, you know, let's pack it up, man. Let's get a, every time you post something on Instagram, I, you know, it's like 10,000 white supremacists in your comment. Like, you can, <laughs> th- there's racism here. It's less aggressive, you know? Just just sharing the floor with a grown man with a nickname Jingles, that's like a reason enough to relocate. That's, but, that's uh, a fact. Yeah, but I, I look, he's got to get out of here. He's got to get out of here immediately. That that would be, to me, that's the biggest swing that they should go for. But uh, if they can't, if they don't do Fox, like that's what I'm, I'm hoping for is Mitchell. They got to get a guard. You need a guard wing. That's like, period. You need to start talent on the perimeter. Like That's how this, that's the next step. If you're keeping RJ especially, you need that. Yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, big go big or go home. I think should be the uh, theme of the deadline or clear out Deadwood. That should be like the two main themes. Either get out of like the Nerlens contract or make a serious upgrade on the margins. Yeah, it's the really not going to do it. The most important person to clear out is Alec Burks because you can't move Evan Fournier, but you got to play Cam. Got to play. Ground. I think Noel's worse to me than Burks. Noel's not even available. And his fast break yesterday, when I tell you it gave me heart palpitations, I was like, please pass the ball. Please, somebody call timeout. I've been killing Nerlens for some time, but he, he played well the past couple of games. But I don't even mean like he's – I just mean that like with Nerlens, he the minutes he's taken away, even if you trade Nerlens, those minutes go to Taj Gibson. Like, you know, it's not like he's like holding something back necessarily. But like we have too many wings. Like we got too many wings. Somebody's got to go. Um, so that's why I think first it's just most important to move a wing. I think that wing, of course, would be Evan Fournier in the ideal world, but realistically, that's not going to happen. So I feel like Alec Burks is a casualty of that. But, you know, if you can do both at the same time, like 
consolidate and make the big move. That would be lovely. But I don't really see the big move out there being made. I, I mean, unless it's Fox for real. I don't really want to do the Brunson thing. I don't know, man. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, what, what day is the trade deadline? February 10th? That is sounds it the right. 10th? Might be. Sorry. After yeah. Deadline. Sorry. I was on mute. Yeah. February 10th. Yeah. February 10th. But... Yeah. So, okay. So, February 10th. So, we got about what? Uh, almost two weeks. So, we'll, we'll get some answers soon. Um, but yeah, I think. If that report, I think, was from Jake Fisher. Again, he's been fairly reliable with stuff. So if they're if they got everybody on the table more or less, then well, I mean, let's see. I, I would hope at least a couple of moves are coming. If you've been one of the more active teams at the deadline and for a particularly stagnant roster, you know, I think that's what they need. You need to get a little bit of fresh blood in there and you know, change you gotta change stuff. That's how this goes. So we'll see what happens. A lot, a lot of interesting names. Uh, we'll see what they actually go through with. Uh, I know that we would like to see Burks, like to see Noel, you know, moved, clear some of the space out, but we'll see what they actually go with. You know, hopefully they could surprise us a little bit and, and we get something a little bit better than just a little dump and a little margin move again. But I know Sean's not all that enthused about Brunson. I, I'm all right with it. I think it's at least a decent enough stopgap. Even if you pay him, I think teams would be somewhat interested in him regardless, you know, to some degree. I, I don't think it's the worst thing, but it's got to be the right package, obviously the right, you know, right situation. But we'll see what happens there. But uh, that's really all that I've got. You know, I think we kind of touched on everything. But uh, it's a it's a tough schedule coming up, man. It really is. I don't normally like to talk about the schedules being tough or easy because, uh, as you guys both know, I don't believe in such things. When we've had hard schedules before, we've won games. When we've had easy schedules before, we've lost games. So. The schedule is the schedule to me. It just looks a little bit more daunting with some good teams. And I think we've got, what, a West Coast road trip coming up. Not ideal. Uh, we don't normally uh, play well in West Coast road trips. So uh, interesting to see how what happens there. But, you know, another big stretch. But at this point, it's like we always say, you got to knuckle up. You got to go win some games, man. It's a long season. It's tough. You're going to lose games you shouldn't. You don't want to. But you got to figure out, uh, you know, a way to you got to pull it together here. The West Coast. You can let the season basically goes to die if they have a terrible road trip. It's kind of how it goes. Uh, you can hover 500 for a while. You can stay in the race, stay in the hunt. But the, the second you lose like three, four, five games at once, something like that, like those are the insurmountable leagues. Because you go from like uh, we're a game out from a spot, two games out from a spot, where we're three, four games, you know, we'll, we'll run, uh, one run away from like, you know, really getting the th getting back in the thick of it. When you give a little bit too much ground like that, it kind of takes you right back out. And then it's kind of an insurmountable lead at that point. So I would hope not. I don't want to, I don't want to start, you know, lottery looking with you guys again. I'm not really ready to talk, you know, draft picks like that. I don't really feel like doing all that. So I would hope that the Knicks got, uh, you know, some, some better games and some better plans up their sleeves because, it could be a rough February after what was turning into initially a pretty nice January. We had some wins. Knicks were going eight and eleven at one point over the last eleven. RJ was playing good ball, and it's been disappointing a couple of weeks since then. But we'll we'll see what happens uh, on this upcoming stretch. But I appreciate you guys tuning in. Of course, uh, I think give us a five star rating and review uh, helps us keep doing what we do. And uh, 
just want to say too, uh, we started this week also. I know you guys have seen some advertisements with uh, our partners, Prize Picks. So make sure you go there. We got a you know nice link, nice little promo code to give you guys. Code TKW. Go through our link. You get a hundred dollar uh, deposit match. So a hundred percent price match up to one hundred dollars. So you know take advantage of that deal. You know, I, you know, I, I've been trying to get used to these parlay picks. I did a couple over the NFL weekends. Wasn't terrible. Uh, we gave you guys Fournier yesterday. We won't do that again in our, in our pick of the day. Uh, the sincerest apologies. I, again, we were trying to give him the benefit of the doubt lately, and we were like, you know what? Let's let's throw him up there. You know, he's been scoring pretty well. We'll, we'll take the over today. Uh, first corner, Fournier came out. Looked like we were, you know, geniuses again. It, it did not work out. That's Sunday lock, though. Before the fourth quarter, both picks locked. Reggie Jackson over 15 and a half. RJ Barrett over 26 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. That that's that's a lock. That that, that was a that was a lock. That was a good one. But uh so so we'll go back to RJ's, you know, no, no more Fournier's. You know, I think we learned our lesson there, but it is what it is. So if you're riding with us on those, uh, just stay tuned. We're gonna have our picks of the days on game days. But uh, again, you know, shout out the good folks at prize picks. And uh, let's go next. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Take it easy. Adios. Peace.